Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And I'd like to welcome you into a solo edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. That's right. My name is Greg Frank. No Matt Siegel this week. Showtime on a cruise. So you can see his picks at Showtime Cappers on Twitter. Catch all of mine in addition to this podcast at Undercover Greg is where you can find me on Twitter. But of course, we want to give you some winners during the week on Full Slate. So while Matt might be enjoying a cruise right before the holidays, the show must go on. And so I am happy to provide you a solo edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. On that note today, we are going to break down a few spots that I am looking at in the National Basketball Association, college basketball, and the National Hockey League for Thursday. We'll get into some bowl picks. Bowl season I love because it is a different handicap than a regular season college college football game, excuse me. And there are factors that come into play in bowl games, namely motivation that uh, just is a lot more important to consider in a bowl game that does not necessarily come into play uh, in a regular season game. So I got three bowl picks, a lot of NFL Week 16 picks, and some NBA, college basketball, and National Hockey League to nibble at as well for Thursday. Uh, So I want to start there. I'm going to give out one NBA pick, two college basketball picks, and an NHL pick. 
Uh, let's start on the college hardwood where this is a spot that I've kind of been looking at most of the week. Uh, shout out to our producer, Alex, who has been on this one as well. Uh, and it's going to be the Maryland Terrapins uh, laying the short number on the road against the Seton Hall Pirates. Uh, one of the bigger games on the college basketball card uh, on Thursday. And this number is actually out to five and a half. So I say short number, but you know, we're approaching three possessions now that Maryland is laying and um, I don't know what it opened at. I don't think it was five and a half though. I'm going to guess there was some Maryland money that came in here that has the Terps laying five and a hook as I record on a Wednesday evening. Uh, I, I like this up to Maryland laying seven. Simply put, you have a Maryland team that has been stewing over its road loss to Penn State now in the Big Ten for over a week. That game took place in State College on Tuesday, December the 10th. And here we are now on Thursday, December the 19th. Maryland is headed north to East Orange, New Jersey to take on the Seton Hall Pirates. And Seton Hall also is undermanned right now. We know about the injury to Miles Powell. And he, of course, is somebody that entered the season on the preseason wooden award watch list. So in basketball, it goes without saying that uh, the power of one injury as Powell is going to be out with a concussion, uh, which seems to be a pretty bad concussion at that from the news uh, that was reported uh, earlier, uh, at, I should say, at the end of last week. So no Miles Powell in this one for Seton Hall is obviously a big blow. And then um, they also lost a big man whose name I am not going to try and pronounce, uh, but it is a long name, and he is out uh, six to eight weeks with a broken right wrist. So obviously they're down their best player uh, and down another frontcourt player against a Maryland team in the top ten uh, coming off of a loss, you expect Maryland to be pretty juiced up here uh, in a spot that I think bodes pretty well for the Terps. To it feels like a get-right game, right? Like Seton Hall is, as I said, undermanned, and and Seton Hall actually has already suffered four losses this year. So I'm not sure they're as good as everybody maybe thought they might be coming into the year. Obviously, a lot to still unfold in the Big East, uh, but as far as this game goes. Uh, I'll swallow the points, uh, and I will look to get in at five and a half. Again, I would play this up to seven uh, and back the Maryland Terrapins on the road. Let's keep things moving and stay in college basketball for another pick I'm looking at. And, you know, I think early in the year especially, we can tend to see teams be a little overvalued based off the win-loss record, uh, and more so overvalued than undervalued, right? Like I mentioned, Seton Hall having the four losses already and a little dinged up. Uh, it's probably an opportunity to fade Seton Hall as I think you should do on Thursday or to just wait and see what kind of team they are right now because I think we don't really know yet. As far as Auburn, that's where I want to go for my next pick. And I do think there's a little bit of an Auburn tax that is being applied right now to the Tigers. They are at home hosting the North Carolina State Wolfpack uh, in a, in a non-conference game that could be pretty interesting. A total of 151.5, so obviously both teams we kind of know Auburn wants to get up and down. Uh, that's been their style under Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl. And 
you have a team that's the Tigers are number twelve in the nation, and they went to the Final Four last year, uh, and they're undefeated at nine to zero. I was fading Auburn on Saturday against St. Louis, and I cashed a ticket on St. Louis relatively easily. They were getting eleven points and uh, lost by six in a game that they were hanging around in. I just think right now with Auburn, you're going to have to pony up if you want to back them for sure. And sure enough, that is starting to reflect itself in the market. I mentioned that St. Louis game in which Auburn did not cover the point spread in. They needed overtime to get past Furman in their other game in the month of December. They were a 12.5 point favorite in that one and uh, won the game by three points. So while they ended November with four straight covers, uh, I do think that Auburn, you're paying a premium right now, as I said. Auburn on Thursday night. I think there's an interesting angle here to look at with NC State. The state of North Carolina, as far as men's basketball is concerned right now, I think there is an opportunity for the Wolfpack this season to try and make some inroads. I mean, we know that... North Carolina is not going to have the season that it normally has, right? I mean, Cole Anthony is going to be sidelined for, it looks like, over a month. And it's a North Carolina team that lost a ton from last year's roster. So it looks to be like it might be a bit of a down year in Chapel Hill. And while Duke has been up and down, and more up. I mean, they're number four in the nation. Let's not dismiss that loss against Stephen F. Austin and act like it never happened, even though they did uh, go to East Lansing and, and beat Michigan State. So the point here is, if NC State goes on the road and wins this game at Auburn, NC State comes in at 8-2, and two, and they did suffer a pretty bad loss in their first conference game of the year against Georgia Tech. Their other loss was narrow, uh, you know, closely contested game against a Memphis team that I think everybody knows is pretty good, especially with James Wiseman in there. So I think North Carolina State has a very good opportunity to get a good program-building win here. This is a program that was picked to finish sixth in the ACC, and obviously, one of those schools that was picked ahead of them was North Carolina. So I, I think that, again, the as far as where this season could take NC State, if they're sitting here at the end of the year having had a better year than North Carolina, they're probably loving where that can take their program. And what kind of opportunity is better team uh, like Auburn at Auburn? I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I'm getting eight points here to back North Carolina State. And as I said, I think there is a little bit of an Auburn tax. Who's to say North Carolina State is even up there with Duke and Louisville when we're talking late February, early March in the ACC standings? But could they be in that second tier? And could they have a chance to be, you know, a four, five, six seed, something like that. I think that's very possible. And one last thing on the whole in-state thing. Uh, one of their wins earlier this year uh, came against UNC Greensboro. And uh, their coach, Kevin Keats, talked a lot about you know, how important 
that win was. And he really seemed to be excited over beating. And Greensboro is a pretty good mid-major program right now. So I do think that the they are well aware of the fact that the door's a little open here in North Carolina to maybe get to that second wheel behind Duke. It does look like, obviously, the Tar Heels are in for a little bit of a longer year than they're used to. So um, what better way to make a statement than to win at Auburn? I love NC State plus eight for another Thursday college basketball play. Let's move forward and go to the National Basketball Association where this is just a little bit of a system play that I like to try and spot out. And I think there is a total being priced a little too high out west. The second game of the TNT doubleheader is where I want to go. I'm just going to give out one NBA play for Thursday, and it's going to be this one. I'm going to go under. Uh, I'm seeing 233 right now as far as where this number is at. Uh, I'm going under 233 in the Houston Rockets and Los Angeles Clippers game. And the reason that I, the, the, the system kind of angle that I like to look for is anytime you get two title contenders playing in the NBA regular season, I think you're going to see a lot more intensity. I think you're going to see a little bit more of a desire to win. I think you're, you know, because we always talk about motivation in the NBA regular season and load management and how much do these guys care about the regular season. Well, I do think there are certain games that these two teams, uh, well, not just these two specific teams, but any two contenders are going to circle when they play each other. I think that is naturally going to lend itself to some more hard-nosed, gritty efforts on the defensive side of the ball, which aren't priced into the total. 233 is a high total in an NBA game, and this could be a preview of the Western Conference Finals, perhaps no disrespect to the Los Angeles Lakers, but I think that you get both teams to treat it as such, especially because this is already the third time that they play in the regular season, and obviously... Uh, they're not in the same division in the Western Conference, so I'm not sure how many more times they play, but it can't they can't play more than one more time, I would assume, uh, the Rockets and the Clippers. So, um, you know, they've split the first two meetings, and, you know, naturally, I would assume that for two teams that the Clippers have made it abundantly clear that they just don't care about some games in the regular season, and I think you kind of have to treat it as such when you have Kawhi Leonard on your roster that just comes with the territory however against the Rockets team that you know has kind of found its way and listen when the Rockets care on defense they certainly seem to be better on that end I mean they got behind against San Antonio on Monday night and then their level really picked up and San Antonio ended up only scoring 107 points so you would think Going on the road to the Staples Center, you're going to get a Rockets team that's interested in playing. And the same, I think, will be said for the Clippers, who, as I said, this is the third opportunity already against the Rockets. They lost a low-scoring game in Houston, and then they blew out. Well, actually, not blew out. It was a really high-scoring game at the Staples Center. So perhaps I'm getting a poor read here, but... I think this is going to be more like the game in Houston, which was 102-93 Houston. I'm not saying who's going to win. I'm not taking a side here. But, you know, you do the math there, 195 points. And ironically enough, the total there was the very same 233 that we're seeing tonight. 
I think part of the reason that we're getting such good value is because when these two teams did play just nine days later uh, in Los Angeles, it was a 122-119 victory for the Clippers, so you did see a lot more points. Um, and the total had dropped in that game. It was 226, and of course it went way over at 122-119. I just think this is going to be a lot more like the first game that these two teams met. Knowing that they're not going to see each other again for a while, I love under 233 in the Houston Rockets-Los Angeles Clippers game, the second game of the NBA TNT doubleheader on Thursday night. Final Thursday pick before we get into some weekend plays on the gridiron. I'm going to go to the ice, and I'm going to look to play the Ottawa Senators as a live underdog at home. That's right, I'll take Ottawa plus $1.22 on the money line over the Nashville Predators. I like the opportunity that we're getting here to fade Nashville. Third game in four days on an East Coast trip for the Preds. And what just happened on Tuesday, Nashville goes to uh, Long Island and they blow out the New York Islanders 8-3. to And I'm a firm believer, especially in 82 and 162 game seasons in Major League Baseball, NHL, and the NBA. And, and I think this applies to the NFL as well. That no team is as good or as bad as it looks on any one given game. And in the case of the Nashville Predators, that's a very impressive result to go into uh, the Islanders building. Uh, The Islanders, a team that in the first half of the season has been one of the more overachieving teams in the East. And maybe you don't even want to say overachieving. The Islanders were in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And there's a lot of exciting players there, even in the post-John Tavares era. Matt Barzell, exciting young player. Jordan Eberle kind of getting going a little bit more. All that said, you know, bringing it back to this game, Nashville going in there and winning 8-3 is impressive. Uh, but you would think that Nashville would be a little bit of a steeper price uh, given that result. And I think, uh, you know, we look at the Nashville price in this game right now. You're seeing them at minus $1.36. You know, not as big as I thought it would be, uh, which in some cases makes for an easy lay. Other times, I think it can invite a little bit of a trap. And that's where I think this is going. You look at Ottawa and... You know, they aren't good. They're they're not going to make the playoffs. But they just went down to Tampa Bay as one of the biggest underdogs I've ever seen in the NHL at, you know, it was close to plus 400 that some shops had them at. And that game went to overtime. So I do think that in some cases with bad teams, you can get them playing loosely and freer against teams with better records, and as I said, third game in four nights for Ottawa, I think naturally I would be looking for Ottawa to regress back to the mean a little bit, certainly don't think they're going to score eight goals again, Uh, and you think about who Ottawa has played on this trip, uh, they won at the Rangers, they just won at the Islanders, as I said, and Nashville is going to end the trip on the road against the Boston Bruins. So, a little bit of a sandwich spot as well here with them going to Ottawa to play the lowly Senators. It's probably a night, I think at least, where we see Nashville uh, just act like they can show up and win the game. And 
quite frankly, that just has not been the... Ottawa has made you earn it. I mean, that that much we know, as I just mentioned, having to push Tampa to overtime the other night, beating Columbus in overtime. They went to overtime against Montreal earlier in December. Montreal, obviously a team with playoff aspirations this year. Ottawa also beat the Bruins this year. So when they get up for games, they can be pretty good. Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Brady Tichuk, there's some talent there. It's just not all coming together yet to the point where they're in the mix for the playoffs. They're a real hockey team, though, and that's all I'm asking for here. I think they can win this game against the Nashville Predators. So that's my final Thursday pick. Let's move forward and go to the bowl slate where there are there is an abundance of college football bowl games on Saturday. If you count the uh, HBCU game between North Carolina A&T and Alcorn State, then there are seven bowls on the docket on Saturday. And I'm going to look to three spots that I want to give out here on Full Slate. And I want to start with the SMU Mustangs laying three and a hook against the Florida Atlantic team that obviously just saw Lane Kiffin bolt for Ole Miss. And that's kind of the first part of the handicap here. Normally, if things line up, I like to fade the team that just lost a coach uh, either to another job or, uh, you know, if for whatever reason, an interim coach in a bowl game oftentimes happens in a case like this where Kiffin is off to Ole Miss. I wonder if the focus is there. And for an Florida Atlantic team, that has won some conference championships under Lane Kiffin. Now, with him gone, they're going to be starting a new era, and you have this awkward game before the end of the season where Glenn Spencer is the Florida Atlantic interim coach, and he has been linked uh, closely as Lane Kiffin's defensive coordinator on the Ole Miss staff. So I wonder if even the guy coaching Ole Miss, or I'm, I'm sorry, coaching Florida Atlantic in this game is fully invested in game prep. And let's not forget when you're, I think that the interim coach factor matters even more when it's an early bowl game because you, you just have less time for the players to deal with the reality of a new coach and for that interim coach to prepare, especially when that interim coach is somebody that might be on the way out himself. It's pretty telling that SMU is favored in this game despite the game being in Florida Atlantic's stadium. And I don't think you can clearly say like, oh, well, they're just favored because they're the supremely better team. No, Florida Atlantic, as I said, just won the Conference USA Championship. And obviously, the American Athletic Conference is a better conference, but SMU did not play for its conference championship. Still, Sonny Dykes had that program trending upward. And what better way to end uh, the season than a convincing bowl win. Eight of SMU's 10 wins were by at least a touchdown this year. So then you have to ask yourself, is this a an opponent in Florida Atlantic that is that big of a step up for SMU in class and as far as their opponents? Are, is Florida Atlantic that much better than any team SMU played? And the answer is no. SMU kicked the crap out of Temple earlier this year. I think Temple is a comparable team to Florida Atlantic. And so you can look at some of those victories for 
SMU that they won going away. And I think you can put Florida Atlantic in and say, oh, this is probably going to be another convincing win for the Mustangs. So I do like SMU to wrap up. They've been one of the better stories in college football, I think, and they still have their coach. I think that there's a lot more positive energy right now for the Mustangs. I think that will manifest itself to this Boca Raton Bowl on Saturday. Give me SMU minus three and the hook for my first college football bowl pick on full slate. Let's move on and go to the Cure Bowl between Liberty and Georgia Southern. And this is another interesting spot because you have a great story going on with the Liberty Flames. And this is their first ever bowl game. And you have a coach in Hugh Freeze that is working on reshaping his image. I think everybody kind of knows about the NCAA violations that took place with him at Ole Miss. But, you know, this guy is a program builder. He won a Sun Belt Conference Championship at Arkansas State. And he did bring that Ole Miss program, regardless of what was going on, he did bring that program to some heights that it hadn't been at in a while. And here he is now at Liberty in just his first season, and things are moving in a very positive direction. You think about the program trajectory for Liberty. In the 70s, they were an NAIA independent team. And then in the 80s, they were a Division II independent team. In the 90s, they got into D1, but they were at the FCS level. Then they get into the Big South Conference, in the FCS, that is, the Big South, for the majority of the first two decades of the 2000s, and now they are an FBS independent school with bowl eligibility. First ever bowl game for Liberty. This is the biggest game in the history of Liberty football. And they are getting five points. I love this. I think that they're going to win this game outright. Normally in bowls, one thing to consider, you want to play underdogs on the money line and you want to lay points with favorites because more often than not, the games don't always sit on the number because it is a very tough game for the odds makers to put a number on. They offer it, obviously, but I'm just saying that their numbers have been more off in college football bowl games than college football regular season games. So you want to lay points with favorites, take dogs on the money line, maybe look at alternate lines with favorites where you lay even more points and you get good payouts on those pleasers, things like that, because it is a very difficult game for the books to put a clear number on. I think this is an example of that where, as I mentioned, you have everything building, everything has been building towards this game for Liberty, where they get an opportunity to finally play a bowl game at the FBS level. And then you look at Georgia Southern, I think they're probably disappointed with this draw. Georgia Southern earlier in the year, in September, nearly beat Minnesota outright in a non-conference game. Of course, Minnesota went on to have a pretty good year in the Big Ten West. Georgia Southern earlier in the year won at App State. App State, one of the better programs in the group of five. So what do they need to prove against an opponent of Liberty's quality? You know, I I think that in some cases, even if Georgia Southern loses this game, they know what they are. They know that they're a good program that is in a good spot right now and is going to move into 2020 with some lofty aspirations of their own. As I mentioned, to hang right with Minnesota and to beat App State, that that tells you more than winning against Liberty does. I just don't think this game really 
gets Georgia Southern out of their beds, right? Like, what gets them going about playing Liberty? But for Liberty, I, I don't care who the opponent was. You knew that you were going to get them to be pretty invested. So I love Liberty plus five in the Cure Bowl on Saturday. One last college football bowl pick, and then we'll go to the NFL. I'm going to take the Washington Huskies minus three and a half against the Boise State Broncos. And here's what I'm saying. First off, system play. Do this in the regular season, and I'm going to do it. I know, as I just mentioned, it can be a different handicap. It is a different handicap a lot of times in the bowls, but I'll do it again here. Unranked team favored over a ranked team. Do it anytime you can get the opportunity because oftentimes the public is going to gear towards that team with that number in front, catching points, and it feels like a layup. There's a reason that they are favored, the unranked team, and in this case, Chris Peterson coaching his last game for the Washington Huskies. And who's he doing it against? It's against the Boise State Broncos, the school who he rolls to prominence with. Of course, he was the coach when Ian Johnson went in on the Statue of Liberty play against Oklahoma, one of the greatest college football games I've ever seen. And now Peterson carried his winning on to Washington, got to the college football playoff a few years back, and he is going to move on to an upper role within the Washington Athletic Department. But he's not going to be coaching football. So I think there's a lot on the line here for Washington to send its coach out with a win against a coach, a school that he coached at previously. I think it would mean a little bit more to him. And normally, I would look to take group of five teams against power five teams in bowl season. Because I think the motivation for the group of five team is a lot higher. You know, like they wait all year for that opportunity against the bigger school, and here it is in a bowl game. All that said, let's think about Boise State's bowl draw. Here they are playing on the first Saturday of bowl season. Remember, a month ago, Boise State's right very much alive, not even a month ago, a week ago, you know, had Memphis lost to Cincinnati. In the, uh, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, had Memphis lost lost to Cincinnati in the American Conference Championship game. Boise State's right in there to get the Group of Five New Year's Six spot. So they go from possibly playing on New Year's Day to playing on December 21st in the Las Vegas Bowl. Not sure what kind of Boise State Broncos team we're getting on Saturday. Feel pretty confident the Washington Huskies are going to be jacked up for this one. Love, love, love Washington. Minus three and a half. Let's go Huskies. Let's go to the NFL now where I will give out actually quite a few picks that I like here in the National Football League week 16. Uh, Might as well give out some more picks because we don't have a whole lot more of NFL football left to gamble on one more week of the regular season after this weekend and then of course the playoffs Uh, so let's start on Saturday where uh, I'm going to pass the first game between Houston and Tampa Bay Uh, Houston obviously is going to be a very public side this week short number on the road uh, against a Tampa team that is out of it in terms of playoff contention uh So I'm not going to look at anything in that game. But I do want to move on and go to uh, Gillette Stadium, where I like the side and the total in this game between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. And I'm taking Buffalo plus the 6.5. And and I'm also taking it under. I got got in at under 38. I'd play it down to under 35.5. I mean, this, this seems pretty easy, right? Like, you want to ride Buffalo unders until... 
the market makes it impossible to do so. I mean, even last week, right, that total in the game between Buffalo and Pittsburgh, oh, 37, how can you go under 37? And it cashed pretty easily, 17 to 10. Buffalo's not going to be a high-powered offense. They're not going to throw the ball up and down the field. They're not going to score a ton of points. Josh Allen's going to run himself, and they're going to run their Hall of Fame quarterback, Frank Gore, or Hall of Fame running back, Frank Gore, I should say. And and they're going to run. I just finished talking about Florida Atlantic. Youngster out of Florida Atlantic in their backfield, Devin Singletary. They're going to run those two guys. And, and yeah, they got Smokey John Brown. But their offense, obviously, is not run and gun, zing the ball all over the field. And we know that New England isn't that. This game, when they, they played... Back in Buffalo was a, an easy under, 16-10. to 10. And I think we're going to get a very similar game here. And also, New England scored on special teams in that game with a blocked punt. So, good luck, Tom Brady. I know you're at home, but good luck scoring on this defense. And, you know, I'm not sure Buffalo is going to win the game outright, but... I think oftentimes, right, low total, you want to take the dog, and we're getting almost a full touchdown here. So, if you don't think there's going to be that many points, then you probably want to take them. And, as I said, game was back at the end of September, but 16-10 to 10 for New England in Buffalo, on a and they scored a defensive touchdown, so normally that's stuff that you don't like to consider in future handicaps. Low-scoring game, don't know who wins, but if, if New England does, I think it's very similar, maybe even closer, 16-13, you know, 17-14, something like that. Uh, but I do think that we got some room to play with on the under, and I like the Buffalo side as well. Uh, so give me the Bills to have a chance here to pull this upset in the fourth quarter, making the 6.5 points that much more valuable. Buffalo plus 6.5 and, and under, I got in at 38, would play it down to 35.5 in Buffalo and New England. Another Saturday night game that I'm also going to take an under in is the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, Another thing, like I mentioned this in our NHL part when I said, you know, Nashville, they played really well the other night against the Islanders. Well, are they really that good? Well, is the the LA Rams defense really as bad as as it showed itself on last Sunday? in Dallas, they just got shredded. And I think Wade Phillips is one of the better defensive minds in the league. Too much pride for him. And and, and remember, this is it for the Rams. This is a last stand game for them. They have to win out, and they need Minnesota to, to lose out. And I think that the Rams' defense gets back to the way it had been playing in November We saw them really play well in a home game against the Bears. And they were winning when they were having a lot of success. It wasn't the Sean McVay high-powered offense that was doing it. It was the Wade Phillips defense. And yes, they did beat up on the Arizona Cardinals in a game where they were able to score a little more in. But you look at what they did, not even just in November, but how about in a divisional game against Seattle, holding Russell Wilson to just 12 points. They lost a low-scoring game back in November in Pittsburgh, 17-12, to though. Go back to their bye week, or before their bye week at the end of October 
only gave up 10 points. I know it's the Bengals, but even going back to the middle of October when they played this Niners team, 20-7. to They lost the game, but their defense has been playing pretty well, and I do think that this is a spot for the 49ers to find themselves again, and that was the sandwich spot of all sandwich spots last week with San Francisco against Atlanta right after just playing New Orleans and the week before they played Baltimore and the week before that they played Green Bay. Well, now San Francisco, I think, refocuses and the first thing that I think of when it's a refocuses is that defense comes back and plays really well. They gave up 29 to Atlanta. I know that it really was just 23 because of that last fluky touchdown. Thoughts and prayers with underbetters in that game. I think that's the worst beat of the season. Um, Ironically enough, the 49ers have been involved in some bad beats between, like, really bad. Between that total going over in San Francisco-Atlanta and, of course, the Arizona-San Francisco beat uh, back in, uh, when was that, a couple weeks ago now, a little longer, November 17th, 36-26 game, last-second touchdown, ball pops out. That was ridiculous. But uh, you look at the San Fran defense, 23 points, we'll say, that they, they allowed against Atlanta. Obviously, shootout game against New Orleans the week before that. I think this is get right. Uh, if you want to consider it that, I mean, 23 points isn't that bad anyway. Uh, but I like this game somewhere first to 21 wins. Uh, and, and therefore, I think under 45 and a half I got in at. Uh, I think this is about 45 right now, uh, so I, probably if you can get 45, I would definitely still take it because normally late division, like late season divisional unders are good plays because I talked about intensity and finishing, you know, just being a little more juiced up as far as the NBA regular season goes and why I liked that under in Houston and the Clippers, I think some of that rationale maybe applies a little bit more here, where you have an under play in a divisional game. You think about it, normally even if the teams aren't in the playoff hunt, there's a lot of energy and excitement that goes in to playing a division rival late in the year, and you kind of want to end the season if you're not in the playoff hunt with one last big statement, and if there's a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, a lot of intensity, I think you're, there's just going to be a lot of... The defense is often going to make those big hits, and and, and and that's normally what fires everybody up, right, is a big-time defensive play. Um, and as I said, both these defenses have... We know about San Francisco's defense. Rams' defense is the reason it's even still mathematically alive in the playoffs. I'll go under 45.5, Rams 49ers. Let's move on to... A Sunday play in the NFC West. This is a late afternoon start. Uh, so actually, as I look at the plays I wanted to give out, I just realized I actually don't have anything in the early window that I'm going to give out on our podcast here. Uh, but certainly uh, stay tuned to my Twitter at Undercover Greg for more of my gambling picks, as I'm sure I will have action on the one o'clock games. But I talked about how I wanted to back the University of Washington. Well, I want to fade the professional team in the Pacific Northwest this weekend, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. This is just a straight numbers play. I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals plus the 9.5 at Seattle. Simple for me. Seattle in 11 wins this year. 11 wins, 3 losses. So the combined, you know, 14 games. They've combined in those 14 games to outscore their opponents by 26 points. That's ridiculous. 
and you're laying nine and a half with Seattle here? No, thank you. That is really steep for a Seattle team that does not blow anyone out. And I think last week was telling for Arizona. Because with bad teams, all you have to worry about if you're backing them is that they're going to play hard. Because you know they're getting enough points. Because you know that the average Joe is not going to want to back a bad team this late in the year with nothing on the line. Therefore, oftentimes, the numbers are inflated, and if the bad team is just playing hard, is just showing up to the stadium, then they're going to have a good chance to cover. And I think that's the opportunity that we have here on Arizona. Arizona, last week, in beating Cleveland, I think the fact that they won that game... In the way that they did it, it wasn't all that close, shows that they're going to play till the bitter end of the season. And they get divisional games here. And Seattle went down there, and one of the games that, ironically enough, Seattle did win by comfortable margin was in the desert against Arizona earlier this year. So I think Arizona comes with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder uh, just to prove that, yes, it might be your division now, but they are coming. We saw them go to the Bay Area and play tight with San Francisco the whole way. Both times they played San Francisco, those games were really tight. They covered at home against San Francisco in a Thursday game. Talked about that bad beat. They should have covered in the Bay Area. Arizona plays hard, even though they're not good as far as the wins and losses go. That's why 9.5 points is plenty for me to get to the window with the Arizona Cardinals. Let's keep things moving, and I want to go to uh, another game on the West Coast. Another divisional under that I'm taking here. I'm going under 45.5 in the Oakland Raiders and LA Chargers. That's where I got in at. Market seems to have settled right now at about 45, and... I'll take this. First off, Josh Jacobs is not going to play for the Oakland Raiders, and they're a very run-heavy team. So I question, Oakland's getting seven here. You know, that's a pretty steep number. Not sure I want to lay that with the Chargers, though normally when the Chargers win, you know, you don't trust them in a close game, but if you're telling me this game's going to be a blowout, certainly more more inclined to think it's the Chargers doing the blowing out. Obviously, they're the seven-point favorite. But I like the game under because... As I said, another divisional under that I'll look to play. And the Raiders, I'm just not sure how they're going to move the ball enough. I mean, yes, the Chargers didn't really show up last week against the Vikings. But, you know, we saw against the Jaguars, the Chargers defense locked down in the Gardner Minshew return game. So... You know, similar type thing here where I don't know if what's left here for Oakland. I mean, they couldn't even win the last game in Oakland. How quickly the Raiders have gotten to this spot where, you know, it wasn't long ago that they were in the AFC wildcard mix. And now, you know, their season's over. And, you know, their first round offensive rookie of the year candidate, Josh Jacobs, he's not going to play this week, probably not going to play next week. He's been playing through a shoulder injury look to be his award to lose, and maybe he's going to lose it. But I, I just don't think Oakland moves the ball much here. And um, with the Chargers, I mean, do you really think that if, – if, if I think that Oakland – and, you know, I don't blame anybody that wants to take Oakland team total under as well. But the Chargers offense, we saw in that game on Monday Night Football against Kansas City, they couldn't finish drives because their quarterback turns the ball over too much. Now, sometimes that can lend itself towards defensive touchdowns. But do you really trust Phillip Rivers to move the ball enough 
where the Chargers can get over this total and score 30 points? I don't. And so if you're telling me that this is going to be a run-heavy Chargers attack, which I wouldn't be surprised by at all, because if they're just going to play with the lead and kind of coast here, which could happen, I just don't think that the Chargers are going to put up video game-like numbers offensively. And I know Oakland's secondary isn't that good, but I'm not sure that Phillip Rivers on his last legs is the guy to exploit it. We saw this game land on exactly 45 points, I think it was. I'm going to look up that score now, Oakland and the Chargers, on a Thursday night game. But Rivers couldn't get the ball down the field in that final drive. So, I'm sorry, 26-24. So it did go over back when there was a lot more on the line. But, of course, Josh Jacobs played in that game and scored the touchdown that did push the game over the total that night. I happened to lose on the under on that touchdown. All that said, I do think Jacobs not being there really hurts Oakland's offense. I'm not sure how they move the ball, and I don't trust the Chargers to pick up and, and get the game over the total Where in a game that I don't think Oakland's going to score a lot in. So I like Oakland and the Chargers under 45 and a half. I actually played this for a max play. This is one of my favorite plays of the week. So I'll go under in Oakland and the Chargers. Let's wrap things up. Another spot I love, and this line has moved, uh, but I am I would play it up to, I'm going to see where the market's at right now. It's the Monday Night Football game between the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle, I'm sorry, and the Minnesota Vikings. Five and a half, I'm seeing right now, total 46 and a half. I like a side, and I love, love, love the Minnesota side. I played it at four and a half, and its markets right now seem to be at five and a half. I'd play up to six and a half. And... Quite frankly, I think Green Bay is very overrated. I'd look to play against them in the playoffs. Green Bay got outgained by the Chicago Bears 415 to 292 on Sunday. That's a Chicago team that has looked anemic, like a college offense sometimes. They outgained Green Bay by over 100 yards in Lambeau Field on Sunday last week. I know I know about the Kirk Cousins primetime stuff. I don't really care about it here. Because to me, that matters more if you think it's going to be a close game. And I don't think this is going to be that close. I think Green Bay wins this game by two touchdowns. But as I said, I'd probably play up to six and a half. Because you just, once you get into that key number of seven, you know, you always, there's a certain level of risk that comes with laying beyond that. But I do think that this is a great Minnesota spot. Minnesota has been such a good home field advantage under Mike Zimmer. And you think about Cousins. I know there's the primetime stuff, but he just got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. Aaron Rodgers got in instead. So if you, if you needed more, more motivation if you're Minnesota, there it is. And look at Green Bay's defense. I just talked about how Chicago put up 415 yards on them in Lambeau. Matt Moore had a nice game against the Green Bay defense in a Sunday night football game that Patrick Mahomes didn't play in at Arrowhead Stadium. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for over 250 yards against the Green Bay defense on a Sunday night football game as well. Phillip Rivers had almost 300 passing yards against this Green Bay defense. These are middling quarterbacks at best who are putting up big-time numbers against the Green Bay defense, 
Kirk Cousins is better than all three of those quarterbacks. So I don't really care that it's Monday Night Football. I just think the matchup makes sense for Cousins to have a big night, even if Dalvin Cook's limited. I think this is a big Cousins game. And we did see last week Mike Boone and Alexander Madison, third-round rookie out of Boise State. I think they're going to be okay even if Dalvin Cook misses this game. I'm not that concerned about it. Love, love, love Minnesota. Skull, Vikings, skull, Vikings. Minus four and a half is what I got in at. I would still play it right now with the market sitting at five and a half. That's going to wrap things up for a full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. I appreciate everybody that still listened to me babble for almost an hour. Flying solo. Looking forward to Matt being back as well from his cruise. My name is Greg Frank. Again, find all of my picks at Undercover Greg on Twitter. Throw us a follow as well uh, for the podcast on the whole. That's at full underscore slate underscore pod. And of course, you can find all of Matt's gambling picks at Showtime Cappers. I'm sure he'll still be active like all of all, all of us are as far as degeneration is concerned. There are a ton of games to gamble on. And we hope you'll tail all the picks I just gave out. But most importantly, please play responsibly. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week here on Full Slate. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.